Welcome to How to Teach a Language, a workshop for one-on-one -on -one language teachers podcast. This is a podcast for those of you who teach a language one-on-one -on -one, in person or using one of those platforms that enable you to teach online. In this podcast, I'm going to help you become an informed, reflective, and effective language teacher by sharing with you how to teach a language based on my knowledge from the studies and literature from the field of second language acquisition, the field that studies every aspect of how we learn a language, and also from my own experience as a language instructor and as a language learner myself. So let's get started. Hi everybody, how are you doing? This is Joel Zarate. Welcome to our podcast, How to Teach a Language, a workshop for one-on-one -on -one language teachers podcast. In this episode, I am having a conversation with Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Das Languages. And in this episode, she is sharing with us the type of content that she is creating to help learners learn some strategies to become better learners and also the content that she's creating to help language teachers become better language teachers. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode, today's conversation with Lindsay and on the show notes and on the supplemental webpage for this episode, I'm going to have all the links to her YouTube channel, her podcast and the links that she would like me to share with all of you. All right, so here is my conversation with Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages. Hi, everyone. Welcome to How to Teach a Language. This is a podcast for those of you who teach a language one-on-one. -on -one. And the goal of this podcast is to share with you my knowledge about how to teach a language based on the studies, research, and what I know from the field of second language acquisition, as well as my experience both teaching a language, teaching Spanish, English, and also as a learner. So I hope that with everything that I share with you in this podcast, you can also become an informed, effective, and reflective language teacher. Today, I am very excited because I have a guest who is going to be joining us and we're going to be talking about learning languages, about teaching languages, and you'll get to know what she is doing. She has a nice, great YouTube channel where she shares a lot of very interesting things that you can always go and check out and, and uh, see what our guest has for you today. So today my guest is Lindsay and Lindsay is going to share with us her experience learning languages, the type of strategies that she uses and also what she does in her YouTube channel and the content that she creates to help you guys understand how to use certain strategies and also to see 
the kind of strategies that she uses so that you can understand what strategies you could also include in your repertoire. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. And I am very excited to have this conversation with you. And to all of you also, we have recorded an interview on her YouTube channel that will air in the near future. I will let you know when it's available and you'll, you'll see me on, on her channel so that you can also go see her channel. And I will tell you when the video is available. But Lindsay, thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to you and to have you here in our podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I'm, I'm so looking forward to, to hear what you have uh, for us today. And why don't we start by first sharing a little bit about yourself, sharing your story, and you can mention what you do. And I know that you mentioned to me when we were communicating or when we were emailing each other that you're also in a master's degree program in applied linguistics. So why don't you share uh, anything that you would like to share about yourself? Yeah, of course. So I, my first encounters with language learning were, I think, similar to a lot of us in school, in education. Um, it was French in primary school, extracurricular club. It was Spanish and French then at GCSE and A-level, which are the sort of 16 and 18 year old uh, exams that you do when you're in the UK. And then after that, it was thinking, well, languages are the thing that I enjoy most. What do I want to do, you know, in terms of work with my life? Not sure. But what do you do with languages? Because I want to do something with that. And the options are pretty much teaching or translation. That's what you see. That's what's shown to you, you know, at that sort of age. Um, and of course, as we know, there's so much more. But I thought, okay, well, teaching, I, I could, I feel like I could do that. Let's, let's, let's try and go down that route. And I, I didn't do a kind of normal university experience. I didn't go to what I would call a brick university. Um, I studied with something called the Open University, which is distance learning, it's part-time. So it's a really different experience. So I was able to work, to travel, to um, to study at the same time. So it took me six years, so it was a bit longer, but it gave me the space to kind of really explore that kind of world of work alongside. And so within two weeks, there was this very short period of time where lots of big changes happened for me. This was about 2009. And um, I moved out for the first time and moved into a flat with friends. I started a new job working in a school as a learning support assistant. And I started the degree all in about two weeks. It was very boom. Okay, this is <laughs> this is a new change. <laughs> and I, I found that job. And I thought, Oh, it's in a school. It's going to give me the experience, you know, going forward. If I do want to teach, that's great. Um, and it did give me experience and it gave me some, some great experience, you know, for sort of two years. 
I, I enjoyed that. I was able to take out small groups from the language lessons and, and teach them, um, you know, if, if they weren't at the level of the rest of the class. And it was really good fun. And I, I had some good experiences, but also, you know, there were moments where I remember a, a language teacher saying to me after a very stressful day, as she sort of walked away down the corridor, don't go into teaching. It's terrible do something better with your life just don't do it and I was like wow okay oh this is <laughs> what do I do this is so 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 strange and so I had this gap then in my studies and I chose to leave the school to go and travel a bit more I thought I'm never going to get these sorts of opportunities again of just chunks of time where I can you know leave a job and 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 uh, and, and see what happens when I came back I got a similar job in another school I was there for three months. I started in January. I left April. I hated it. It was horrible. There were so many assistants that you were just a number. You were with different. It was, it was, it was a really different environment and I didn't like it. And it kind of put me off from teaching in a normal secondary school, um, or high school. And so I thought, okay, well, what do I do? If, if I'm not going to teach, you know, I'm, I'm sort of halfway through the degree at this point. And I'd been, because the, because working in a school, right, you finish earlier than, than most people. So I would finish at 3.30, not for teachers, of course, they're, you know, working crazy, crazy hours, but I would finish as an assistant at 3.30 and then I'd have this extra time in the afternoon. And so while I'd been working in the school, I'd been doing some part-time tutoring, um, you know, driving out to people's houses and, and doing private tuition that way. And I thought, well, if I'm going to leave this job, let me give myself a year. Let me see if I can make that full-time work for myself. You know, I'm still using languages. I'm still teaching, but I'm doing it in my way. I'm getting to, to, to be my own boss in that sense, you know? And so I did. Thankfully, because the the uh, the salaries for teaching assistants are criminally low, my goal of making more than that job in a year was not not too bad <laughs> and easy to achieve, and I did it. And so I kept going, and that was 2012. And I've been kind of growing and shifting and changing Lindsay's languages ever since. So it's gone from private tuition to online tuition to online courses and other products and services and different programs. And it's it's grown and it's evolved as I have as a person, which is is quite cool. It's allowed me that scope to to change and to adapt with me. That's a great story how you also it's it's interesting how we find our path in uh, sometimes unexpected ways or something leads to another and then you end up realizing okay you know this is this is a path that I want to walk not expecting and then uh, here you are now with your YouTube channel with uh, learning languages and with other content that you produce and you will be able to tell us that a little more later but I'm curious about also the languages that you speak what what languages do you speak fluently or or that you will say that you can communicate with ease that you feel comfortable having a conversation with and what other languages are you are you learning 
Oh, I'm glad that you expanded that question from what languages do you speak? Because that's such <laughs> such a tricky question to answer. But the way you've worded that, I can I can give you a better answer. So, in terms of more um, higher level, obviously English is native language. Then French and Spanish, they're the ones I've studied most. They've been in my life longest. I've you know degree and all of that. Um, then I would say it's kind of Italian, Portuguese, and and German are kind of next in line where I can communicate pretty freely. I feel quite confident and comfortable doing so, but they're not at the same level for me as French and Spanish. Then there's lots <laughs> kind of below that <laughs> um, at varying conversational levels, depending on, you know, what day of the week it is and, and how much I've been exposed to them and learning them at any given time. So um, they would be um, Indonesian, Japanese, um, Korean, Mandarin, Chinese, um, Guarani, um, and Russian is what I've been learning most recently. Um, and there's a couple of others, Bulgarian and Dutch. I learned quite well at one point, but they're kind of faded a bit more because I don't, don't get to use them as much. So yeah. And then just anywhere I go, if I go on any trip, Always the, the first thing and the most exciting thing for me is, is looking at the, the phrase book, you know, seeing what I can learn, what, what new <laughs> phrases. Um, so yeah. Wow. That's great. It's, it's, uh, I should invite you to do our activity of here are some phrases in other languages and give mm. them a try because <laughs> in this podcast on some episodes, not, not in every episode, not in every episode of the podcast, but in some episodes, I have this activity where I say a few phrases in a language and at the end I share the audio from the native speaker who taught me those phrases and then I give them also the PDF with those phrases and that's an activity to learn something in another language. And for those of you who maybe just found the podcast on episode two, I talk about in detail why I always suggest to learn how to say something in a new language. So if you want to know more about that, you can listen to episode two. But I'm excited that you're here because as someone who has learned a few languages and who keeps learning other languages, you have developed strategies as a learner and you are also sharing your strategies and also sharing strategies not just for learners but also for for language teachers and i thought that it would be really great to to hear some of those strategies and why don't you tell us uh, some of those strategies that you have developed to help you learn something in a new language and also keep up with your intermediate and I think that can also give a really great perspective to one-on-one -on -one language teachers because if you are someone who decides to take a lesson for example a one-on-one -on -one lesson your strategies your perspective as somebody that say you know these are some of the strategies that I would use maybe that can also help them so why don't you share some of that some of your some of your strategies that you use to learn other languages and feel free to use as much time as you want. <laughs> this is this is a great opportunity to, to learn from you. 
Okay. Well, one of the things I realized a few years ago when I was, you know, teaching languages and, and when I made my first um, online course, it was for English learners. And then I thought, well, actually, a lot of the people that have found me now online um, at this at this time aren't learning English, right? They're English speakers learning other languages. And I thought, well, how, what can I, what is useful for all of those people? And I realized that something that is often missing from language education and language books and apps and all of the other, all the rest of it is the how-to of language learning. And so now I don't teach languages, I teach how to learn a language. And as you say, a lot of that is born from my own strategies that I've learned and, and developed and explored through my own learning. But then the other half comes from, you know, actual research <laughs> and things founded that aren't just my own anecdotes. So it's not just a case of me thinking, oh, this worked for me, so it's going to work for everyone. You know, I really like to dig into the the science and the research behind things to discover, well, actually, is this something that's universal? Yeah, and Lindsay, I don't think we mentioned that you are also in a master's degree program in applied linguistics. So mm. you are you are also taking a look at the, the research and what what we know about second language acquisition. And, and I, I wanted to mention that because I have always said that a great language teacher needs three areas of knowledge. And one is to learn a language, to always be learning something new, because that always gives you fresh perspective. Then also be able to teach somebody, just even if it's one-on-one, -on -one, just that is always helping you. But most importantly, knowing about the research studies because then that informs you and then you can create better, more powerful activities. But um, all right, I, I apologize for interrupting you like that, but I, no, I wanted to no. mention that about you because yeah, I think it's 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 something important because I think you are you are the ideal language teacher that combines these areas of knowledge and then there is also knowing the system right knowing the grammar and of course we all we all need to know that to be able to also know how to manipulate it when we're teaching but these three areas of learning teaching and having the research knowledge on how to teach a language based on the, on the field of second language acquisition is what gives you a really strong foundation but please continue <laughs> yeah no thank you I mean one of the things that I've one of my kind of um topics modules if you like and I had to to write about was second language acquisition and the question that I chose for that was is there such thing as a good language learner um <clears throat> especially solo language learner and I've, there's, there's a few blog posts I've written that actually might be useful for us to link in show notes on that topic. Um, I can't remember all of the, you know, the stats and the research details now. But one thing that I really have uncovered for myself from all of this is that the best thing that us as language teachers can do is to really encourage and inspire a sense of autonomy in learners. Because especially when we're talking about one-on-one -on -one tuition, 
where maybe you work with a student, let's say once a week, twice a week, maybe. Some might be more, some might be less, but let's say on average once or twice a week. If they are only seeing you for those two hours, let's say, and that's it because they feel, and and I've been, and again, this is the informed learner perspective, right? I've been there as a learner where you think, oh, well, I've booked the lesson. I've showed up to the lesson. That's me done for the week. (laughs) It's easy to fall into that as a learner. And so if, if a student is only seeing you for those two hours and then in between doing nothing else, with the language, then they're going to see results that are much slower and more, perhaps more difficult to attain than if they know what to do in between the lessons, right? And it's not something, we're all, we're all born with that innate skill to learn a language, but in terms of the knowledge of how to actually put that into practice, that's something that we can learn on our own and we don't all have that so as teachers to be able to incorporate stuff like this into the work that you do is such a benefit to your students you know because to encourage that autonomy it's not making it it might sound at first like oh if they're autonomous then they don't need me no they'll still need you (laughs) they'll still need you for those moments of of practice and feedback and and you know checking that they're going in the right direction and that you know they're learning the right things but it's the in-between that can really make a difference so encouraging that sense of autonomy is first and foremost really really important and when it comes to specific strategies what I find really interesting is how we want there almost to be, because wouldn't it be easy if it was just, oh, you want to get better at speaking? Do this one thing. You want to get better at reading? Do this one thing. But because we are all unique, we all learn in different ways, we all have different personalities, we all have different lives and, um, you know, uh, obligations and things that we are tied to that can draw us away from language learning we need to really think about the learner in that process and allow for that because you are the core of your own language learning so your students individually are the core of their own language learning what you are as the teacher is the facilitator of helping them find those right strategies for them so there are lots of things in terms of the specifics like I have something for example that that is there's two versions in fact I have one thing that's um, 100 creative ideas for solo language learners and one is 100 creative ideas for online language teachers and you know there's some crossover but there's some slightly different activities suggested and they're the specifics but in terms of the strategies of how to put those into practice that's a much broader thing in my mind so I think about something that that comes up a lot is motivation and people you know learners might come to me and say oh I just I I really struggle with motivation I want to stay motivated and I I'll be on top of everything for a week and then it it just life life happens right and I get busy and I fall off the the horse and I can't get back on track how do I maintain motivation and really the first thing there is understanding that the motivation is going to ebb and flow 
just naturally as your busyness of life ebbs and flows, it's, it's going to happen. But if you can have something, and I, I often refer to this as find your Shakira, because <laughs> for me, Shakira was that something that in, in the beginning with, with Spanish was able to bring me back and reconnect me to the language in a way that I enjoyed, in a way that wasn't forced, wasn't active learning and feeling like I need to be opening the textbook and on the next chapter and learning the lists of vocab. It was an enjoyable way that reconnected me. So whatever it is that is going to reconnect your students for them, that's that's what they need to help um, maintain motivation when there are then those natural ebbs and flows. So encouraging students to find their Shakira, to find that thing that they can be using as, as a bit of an anchor. And it might be multiple things, um, but generally it's, it's something that is kind of often quite cultural, I find, but it could also be quite linguistic. You know, some, some learners love like the etymology side of things, for example, that could be, that could be the Shakira in, in some students' cases. So that's something that I think is, is really key. Um, in terms of goals as well, you know, so thinking about what do your students actually want to do? Because if you ask, they're probably going to say, oh, well, I want to be fluent. <laughs> I want to be fluent in Spanish. I want to be fluent in English. And that is so far away. It's a great goal to, to, to have that ambition, but it's a bad goal in the sense that there's nothing between your student and that goal. It's just a big open space. And what you can do as a teacher is help to guide them towards that goal, towards that end goal with priorities, first of all, helping them understand where they're focused now, what their priorities are now and what they want their priorities to be to help reach that goal. For example, a lot of students find that, oh, I'm spending so much time with the language. I'm always listening to podcasts in the car. I'm always reading pages of the book at night before I go to bed. But then when I try and speak, I can't speak. And you say, well, when have you been practicing speaking? <laughs> because it's great that you're practicing listening and reading, but if you're not practicing speaking, that's going to take longer to come, right? So helping them realign their priorities so they can then set better goals and milestones for themselves along that path towards that big end ambition, that big end goal. And that's something that, you know, on our own as learners can sometimes be quite difficult. So you're in such a wonderful position as the teacher to be able to be part of that journey and guide them. And it's not about with all of this, you know, you're not giving them the answer. You're asking the questions that helps them vocalize the answer for themselves. You know, so goals and and and, uh, and and motivation, and also another big area is habits and routine. And for some, for some students, that's going to be very simple. Maybe they have um, nice stable working hours, nine till five, Monday to Friday, it's very easy to find the moments in that regular routine where language can fit. For others, it might not be as simple. 
They could be working shift patterns. They could be one week working nights, the next week working days. And how do you find language and balance around those odd different shift patterns? So again, it's that adjustment for the individual. And it's about asking the right questions to and, and giving the right suggestions to help them find the habits and find the routine that works for them. So something that I find very useful on, on that front is two concepts that are quite similar. Um, one is habit stacking. One is habit chaining. Habit stacking being where it's like Jenga, the game Jenga, where you are attaching a new language habit to an existing habit that you do every day. So for example, brushing your teeth probably, hopefully happens <laughs> every day. And that means that that's already <laughs> a habit. You don't have to put in any effort to make that habit happen. So it's very easy to add something on top. Now, of course, if we're talking about brushing your teeth, that doesn't mean that you can book a, a speaking lesson, a conversation <laughs> class <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but there are lots of other things that you could do. You could watch a YouTube video. You could listen to a bit of a podcast. You could be, you know, maybe uh, doing a quick session on an app or something. You could even just be thinking. It doesn't even need to involve a tool or a resource. Just telling yourself, I'm brushing my teeth now. This is when I think through if it's in the morning, what am I going to do today? If it's in the evening, you could be reflecting and thinking, kind of thinking out loud in your head about how, how the day went and forming those sentences for yourself. So you don't even need a tool. You're just attaching it to an existing habit. And the other one, habit chaining, is before or after an existing habit. So for example, brushing your teeth will keep keep the same habit. Um Maybe you want to start writing. You want to develop a writing habit. So you could say to the student that says, I, want, I really want to get better at, at writing. Okay, try setting yourself a challenge to write one sentence, first of all, and then you can increase that. Start small, start incrementally and, and grow it. Start writing one sentence every time before you brush your teeth or after you brush your teeth. Because then when you're attaching it to something that already exists in your life, so much easier to keep it versus trying to change everything and flip your life upside down, you know. Um, the easiest, the easiest thing you can suggest to students on this one is when you wake up and when you go to sleep. The bookends of your day that regardless of what hours you work and what happens in your day and whether or not you brush your teeth, <laughs> these two things are going to happen. You are going to wake up and you are going to go to sleep. So if you have a student that's really struggling in terms of forming habit and forming, you know, a, a daily chance to connect with the language, morning and, and, and night, the easiest ways to, to get that in. So they're the, they're the real core elements so that find your Shakira helps with motivation. Also, I, I love when you're able to encourage students to connect culturally to a language too. And that's a great way to do that. Um, the goals and then the um, habits and routine as well are all really three very, very core elements of successful language learning that you can help to guide your students individually to find their right path on. Lindsay, I know that on your YouTube channel, you share a variety of things between 
your strategies and you learning some phrases on on other languages i would love to ask you if you can talk about your your youtube channel and if if my audience visits your channel what kind of uh, content will they find and and can you just kind of like give us some sneak previews of of <laughs> of your videos and what you do because i think if you go to lenses youtube channel and watch some of the videos you can you can learn a lot from the perspective of a student and the perspective of a language teacher and so but why don't you you tell us about your youtube channel when they go to your youtube channel what kind of content will they find mm. um a bit of a mixture uh it's not been since the 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 start of the pandemic it's not been something i've been able to update as regularly as i would have liked to i'm hoping that soon in in the new year this will be something that can be um changed but yeah there's there's still lots of I think a lot of the stuff on YouTube that I've shared is quite um, kind of evergreen. You know, it, it's it's always sort of relevant and and has has um, has has space. So one series that I've done from the very beginning and really enjoyed making is the Nine Reasons series. So really looking in and that focuses into individual languages so for example nine reasons to learn spanish nine reasons to learn actually there is no english <laughs> that's a big that's a big gap <laughs> but lots of lots of other languages guarani for example you mentioned that was a fun one to film because um it was filmed like on location um in paraguay walking around Asuncion wow. with with the wow. microphone um, I, i have to watch it <laughs> was, yeah I, i enjoyed making that And um, another series on there is language stories where something quite, quite different, I think, in the sense that it's, it's not about strategy. It's not directly aimed at learners or teachers. It's a language documentary series. And I, I knew I was going to have this time to travel. This was kind of 2017, 2018. That was going to be a year where I always wanted to to go and, and, and travel, but I didn't just want to, you know, oh, here, look, Chichen Itza, click and move on. Oh, look, there's another <laughs> Mayan pyramid, click and move. You know, I wanted to to have something to give the, the trip a bit more purpose and to feel more connected to these places. And so what better way than through language, especially given that the first season, the first half of the trip was in Latin America, where typically we think, oh, we'll just paint that whole region with Spanish and a, a lump of, of Portuguese. But, you know, most people don't know as well that there's at the top of South America, you've got um, other languages spoken there. And then, of course, a whole load of indigenous languages as well. So I really wanted to explore that. And it was a great way to do so. So it's also, you know, I mentioned about Find Your Shakira and and finding that connection to to culture learning about languages that are spoken in a place where maybe you know the language that your students are learning learning about other languages spoken there is a really really fun way 
to just showcase a different angle on a place. Um, so yeah, this could be something that, you know, people listening maybe want to share with, with students too, and also for just their own interests. <laughs> so that's a series on there. Um, there's a, there's a few videos that are kind of five tips. So there's, um, five tips to learn with video games, for example, five tips to learn on your commute. And these are all quite short, quite fun, little, little kind of compact videos that again, could be, could be good ones to, to share with students. If you've got a student that says, oh, well, I, I'm really struggling to, to find the time. Okay. Here's five tips to learn on your commute. Or I'm really, really struggling to, to actually pick language learning when all I want to do is play video games. Okay. Here's five tips to, to learn languages of video games, you know, so they could be good ones to share with students too. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot on there. Um, years worth of, content probably thousands of of hours worth um but yeah definitely <laughs> worth having a having a look around and see what you find <laughs> and for you guys i'm going to leave the links to her youtube channel to any other content that Lindsay would like to share with you i think you also have a podcast right i i saw episodes of a podcast on your youtube channel and um are you are you updating that? Are you working on that too? Sometimes, <laughs> not as much as I'd like to. Um, but yeah, language stories. Um, the 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 documentary series was video and podcast episodes, and then there's the podcast teach teach languages online um, as well. So yeah. Well, I'll have the link to that on the show notes, and also on the supplemental webpage for this episode and you can go visit Lindsay's YouTube channel and also her podcast and anything else that she would like to share with you for her content or resources that she has and I am sure that you can benefit from seeing her tips and also her series and gives you perspective on on learning now, this is a, I have a question that it's a little bit more like in your in in your life and how I have mentioned that learning a language helps you also to 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 shape how you think about teaching and learning languages in your life. How do you think learning the languages that you speak and now you continue learning uh, in your life? And that also any new language that you are learning has helped you to become not just a better learner, but also a better language teacher. How do you think you've gained perspective from that? Oh, that's a great question. You mentioned your three core elements for language teaching, right? One of them being to be learning. I could not agree more. Just knowing what it's like being a beginner in the same in the same time frame as your learners and i mean that in the kindest way i mean for example when i was learning french it was the late 90s 
it was in primary school and we got given croissants and we played Duck Duck Goose. <laughs> like <laughs> it was a very different setup. There was no internet. There were no apps. Um, there was no online language teaching, you know, and I was a child. So even if there was, it would have been not my choice to, to take part in any of those things. Whereas now, you know, it's, it would be very difficult for me, for example, if I was a French teacher, and I'd not learned a language since my very, you know, so my only um, reference point for being a beginner was when I was an eight-year-old child. That would be really difficult for me to then relate to my students. So being able to consistently have those more modern reference points where, you know, I'm finding resources, um, you know, that are, new and current and appropriate appropriate as well um and being able to to share that with people is 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 really really important i think so yeah just that that first point you mentioned there is i i could not agree more being able to relate to your students as a result of being a learner is critical i i, I find well thank you for sharing that Lindsay I always say that if you want to have the sensitivity to to appreciate what your students go through always keep learning something new just in a in a new language and then that not also that will not only give you an opportunity to put to the test some of your ideas but also refresh your your memory on what it's like to be a beginner and even an intermediate when you're intermediate you can put to the test many of your strategies but um, I have an interesting question for you imagine yourself as somebody who's taking a lesson with a one-on-one language teacher and uh, you're going to be learning Spanish, for example. You're going to be taking a Spanish lesson. What would you like your teacher to be for you? What would you What would you hope that your teacher do or what would you expect? What would you say, you know, if I, if I take this lesson, this is what I will hope that the teacher do. What would that be? Mm. That's a really good question. I feel like it varies between languages for me, um, between the level I'm at, the confidence level I, ha- I have with a language. So for me with Spanish, for example, as you said, Spanish is, is the example where I feel much stronger. I would be looking for a teacher that is willing to listen and also correct my every mistake because I'm at the point where there are mistakes that if they go unnoticed they're just going to keep happening whereas if I'm a beginner so for example if I have a lesson in Russian right now where I'm kind of you know an advanced beginner not probably not probably quite intermediate I just want to speak. I just want a teacher who will listen and understand me and keep track of my mistakes, but not interrupt me 
every single time I make one. And that I think is the biggest thing that varies from, from level. And it takes a really great teacher to be able to adapt to that for different learners. And also it's something when I was teaching languages, um, it's something that I found myself asking students quite early on in, in that first lesson where I'd say, oh, quick question. How do you want me to deal with mistakes? Do you want me to interrupt you and point at everyone? Do you want me to wait until we've finished a conversation and then we'll go through a bunch together? Because I think that's really important because the other thing we mentioned about the importance of teachers raising learner autonomy, it's raising learner confidence as well. And if you've got a beginner and they come to a lesson and every word that comes out of their mouth is interrupted with a, oh, 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 oh. For some, they may thrive in that. For others, that could be enough to set them back and stop learning altogether. So it's that understanding that I want. And I, and I think as part of that, from the, from the learner perspective, if I'm looking for a teacher, I want a teacher where I can feel that I can say, that I can be open and honest with and say, oh, just a quick request. Could you correct me more? Could you correct me less? Could you, um, you know, give me more homework? Could you give me less? Could, you know, someone where they're flexible for me is across the board, any language, any level. That's possibly the most important. But yeah, the mistake correction, sometimes I want it, sometimes I don't and being open and flex yes, again it's the flexibility so yeah there we go we've got there we've got to the answer through <laughs> through thinking about that a bit more it's flexibility i think that's the number one important thing as a learner for me it's um uh, interesting that what i also gather is that the advice for a teacher will also be ask you the student what expectation he or she has and then you can adapt to that because then in your case if I was teaching you Spanish you would you will hope that I ask you how would you like me to to guide you would you like me to to correct you now the more you know about second language acquisition then the more effective you can be and the more you can explain to your students this is what we know for example about error correction and so this is what I would do, but I am flexible if you would like me to go in, in a certain direction, because in the end, it is your lesson. It is you who, who, who needs to find that space where you feel comfortable. And so it sounds to me like from what you would hope your teacher does, the advice would be ask your student what expectation he, she has and talk to them about how they would like their lesson to be and then you can have perspective and then be able to work with that. Yeah, exactly. Well, Lindsay, what a pleasure to have shared this conversation with you about your resources, about what you, what you do in your YouTube channel, your personal experience and I appreciate having you here today and also like I said at the beginning in the future I'm going to be featured in 
Lindsay's YouTube channel. I'll let you know here when the YouTube when when that episode airs. But it'll be it'll be it'll be also fun if you wanna uh, if you wanna visit her channel and see also our interview. But as a language learner and as a language teacher, I think you can you can get some great tips and information from the content that Lindsay has created. So I encourage you to to visit her channel, visit her podcast and anything else that that Lindsay would like to share with you will be on the show notes for this episode. So to end our conversation, is there anything else that you would like to add, Lindsay? Do you have any last remark, suggestion, idea, complaint? <laughs> <laughs> and just, just a big thank you. Yeah, like you say, I guess we're, we're, we can uh, we can put all the links in the show note, and everything um, can be found. LindsayDoesLanguages.com. Well, yeah, Lindsay, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for yeah, thank you so much for your time and I hope that in the future we can have another opportunity to to meet here again and and talk a little more about languages. Yes, thank you. Speak well, thank to you, you Lindsay. Soon. I'll I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That is all for this episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to listen to more content to help you learn Spanish, on the show notes, you can find the links to my other podcast, free transcripts, and other resources to help you learn and improve your Spanish. You can also follow me on social media. I encourage you to follow me particularly on Instagram because I post simple activities to help you with your Spanish. Lastly, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, iPad, or on iTunes. Or also, you can give us five stars on Spotify. This is one way that you can help the podcast grow and reach more people who want to learn Spanish. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you on the next episode. Nos vemos. Pronto.